2: code buttery exclusions apply see site for details
3: really
4: it's been a, a massive couple of weeks for us bond fans it's fair to say and tonight we're going to try and piece it all together in some kind of Therapy session, I think, is probably the best, the best word for it, for some of us, anyway. Anyway, I'm Tom Pickup, and I thank you once again for listening to the podcast. There are various places you can find us, including iTunes and Spotify, and our Dojo website. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. So thank you very much for your support. It's been a whirlwind of different emotions on the film, and we hope we don't get cancelled anytime soon. Special shout (laughs) out to prominent Bond fan The Bold Man, a.k.a. David Stevens. Uh, Thanks for your support, mate, and your cracking attitude in general. And we hope to have you on here soon. But tonight we have uh, regular contributors, uh, my two brothers, Harry and Math, and also Chris Goldie. Good evening, gents. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. And we have got two special guests with us tonight, which which is a real coup, some may say. You should know Steve Clamp from ITV uh, by now, who's appeared twice before, once I think on the episode we're talking about the Living Daylights music, amongst other things, and the Spy Love Me, and also on the anniversary special. But Steve has been on our sister podcast, The Tapes, which is hosted by Chris, chatting about Doctor Who. So great to have you back, Steve. Great to be here, and yeah, yeah, I'm I'm everywhere. If you you know,
5: if you want to know about <laughs> geeky stuff. I'm your geek. <laughs> well,
4: Rob's got a, a crime author one, Blood Brothers, so that's, that's the missing link. You'll have to go on that one as well.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, when my, when my book is finally finished, then maybe that could be the link that gets me on there, although mine's not, <laughs> mine's not crime, but maybe I'll just add a bit to get on his podcast. Too.
4: <laughs> anyway, Rob is cracking on with his book, Licence to Kill. As, as we speak, because we, yeah. we really want that in the shelves by Christmas, ideally. <laughs> We've also got another special guest here. We've got Mr. Nikolai Quack, who made his debut on our anniversary special. We had four hours, so he couldn't really, you know, speak for an awful long time there, but there's about 30 of us all chatting at once. So it's great to have Nikolai in more of a proper section on the show. Great to see you. Greetings from Germany, Nikolai.
6: Oh, Thanks so much for having me back. I'm very excited. I just hope that I won't be like uh, Don Quixote to get today uh, fighting against windmills. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting one.
4: I'm going to feel bad because Nicolas is such a nice guy. If we it's start a okay. magazine um,
6: It's I can take yeah.
4: it. Just look at his face. and just, <laughs> come, on, come on, lads. Just please bear this in mind. Go, go easy. Anyway, yes. I can't wait to hear what you, you all think. Just to introduce Nikolai more formally, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. What are you up to these days, Nikolai?
6: Well, uh, I'm at university studying, um, doing my master's in history. Whenever I'm not doing that, I'm pretty much uh, watching way too much Bond content, listening to podcasts, like uh, your, I don't know, six-part, two (laughs) hours each part podcast. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, my mom would not be happy knowing that I would. <laughs> uh, yeah, just happy to be here to be talking Bond.
4: That's brilliant. Which Which university are you at, uh, Nicola? Uh,
6: university of Hamburg. It's the main, like the basic one in Hamburg.
4: Brilliant. Are you Are you from Hamburg?
6: Uh, no, I'm from a small village near Munich. So oh wow, well, so that's yeah. quite far away, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, from the south to the north, I sort of fled the, like Bavarian dialect.
4: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not that I can tell the difference, but I have been to both. And Munich is not featured on a Bond film, whereas Hamburg was in Tomorrow Never Dies. Is that right?
6: Yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't what I hadn't rewatched Tomorrow Never Dies until uh, this year, like only a couple of months ago. Oh, it made me so happy living here. I was like, oh, I know that street. Oh my god, yeah. That's that's
4: pretty cool. I absolutely love it when you see when you actually go to places there in Bond films and happen to yeah. us in Vienna and then Matt, I know well Math, you went to did Harry go to Tangier as well? Yeah, we did. Yeah, very yeah. Bri- very yeah.
7: briefly. We we were staying in the south of Spain, so we went to Gibraltar and then you know we could get a ferry across. Yes. And um, the film uh, jail, oh yeah, right? yeah, Gibraltar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but the um uh one of the main memories is that the uh they showed the first it took like, about 45 minutes to an hour to get a little ferry across from Gibraltar to, Tan, to Tangiers and they showed the first well, first 45 minutes uh, of the film The Edge by Leton Hora. Oh. Yeah, but that yeah, that, oh. that is a serious Not nice his film. Best but, <clears throat> but, but but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so so we did go to Tangier and it was yeah, it was an amazing place. Oh
4: gosh, I can't believe I mentioned that, even though I wasn't there. Was it, were you, wasn't it quite sickly? You know, feeling a bit sick on the journey as well.
7: Yeah, a, l- a little bit. Yeah, and it was like really, you know, hot and humid and stuff. But it's pretty, pretty amazing. You know, eye-opening, like completely different culture to to
4: anything I'd seen before. So living so dirt, say, big fans of it here. Yes, yeah, so Nikolai. You, how did you get into James Bond? And what's that? What's he like in Germany? Is he popular in Germany?
6: I think he's popular everywhere. I mean, it's like one of those worldwide film phenomenons like you can go to some place in Africa and they will know what Star Wars is so it's kind of like that with James Bond I started watching the films when I was like six or seven which is probably I mean I guess the censors wouldn't call that a good age to start (laughs) watching depends
4: which one you're watching though
6: (laughs) yeah I mean I started with Dr. No so um, certainly like I've got huge memories of uh the spider for example the tarantula oh yeah yeah scared, guess, scared, that scared me as a kid um uh, yeah we had some of them on vhs and my mom mainly was a fan of bond so she sort of got me into it and started watching them we mainly had uh a few of the sean connery ones and the roger moore ones we did have golden eyes the only pierce Brosnan one on vhs and then later on, I was I just basically saw the other films on either TV or uh, on Ultimate Edition DVD when we bought them, because Dalton or Lazenby almost never get played uh, on German TV. Yeah. Like, Ros- Brosnan gets a fair few always, <laughs> uh, Connery and Moore, but yeah, that's that's about it.
4: So would the the average German member of the public? really not know much about the Timothy Dalton and George Lazenby Bonds do
6: you? I don't think they would I mean they no I don't think they would no nah, nah, sadly
4: and in the background you've got I can see posters of Honor Majesty's and Living Daylight so obviously they've caught your caught, <laughs> caught your eye haven't they yeah, yeah.
6: of the poster art of like the drawn posters On Majesty is one of my favourites I just think Lazenby skiing with like a gun in this post looks just awesome
4: I love the drawings like because it, it didn't always show stuff that happened in the film you know like Roger yeah. Moore with in Moonraker he's got a spacesuit he's got a dinner jacket underneath it it's just class, you know and he didn't even wear he just wore the yellow basic standard spacesuit and he needed his guys to get in so he didn't even wear that but absolutely yeah. love it
6: and they also had like the the best taglines like um, space now belongs to 007 oh that's I mean,
4: does it <laughs> <laughs> I had to do that in German then, but yeah, wasn't confident. Yeah, well,
6: yeah, I
4: guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Roger Moore in his dinner jacket on top of the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Just, that. but wow. it instantly really comes what to mind get that image, even though you know it isn't in the film. But yeah, yeah. long gone those days, I'm afraid.
8: True. Yeah. It like an unofficial artist's drawing for a poster of No Time to Die? There's one that's kind of circulated.
4: Yes. Yeah, but I don't um, think. It- no, I think it was like a, an attempt to try and do a throwback to the originals, wasn't it? Because Licence to Kill was the first one that sort of veered away from that. But some of the, the Brosnan ones, I like those from, because World Is Not Enough is pretty far out there, isn't it? It doesn't seem to be like a, a standard movie poster. It does still seem very Bond. Which Which other ones have you got up there, Nicola? Is that *Living Let Die, I can see?
6: Uh, yeah. Uh, got, <laughs> I can see Living Day Less and Living Let Die. I also got... <laughs> <laughs> like, directly in front of me, I've got like a black and white poster of Moore and of Connery. Um, oh, really? Like right over my table here, so you can't see them, but they're there. I um, believe oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, how did you get introduced
4: to? It was the first one you saw in the cinema? Would that have been a Daniel Craig one?
6: Yes, Skyfall. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I remember. Oh, I remember getting the 50th anniversary like Blu-ray set. That's also over there, which I just, oh, I love that blu set so much. It's so, so cool looking with like the book, um, booklet format. Yeah, that, that was like a big year, the, the anniversary getting Skyfall, my first Bond movie in the theater, saw that one twice back then. And um, yeah, I, the funny thing about me is I used to really not like Craig when I, when Casino Royale came around. But that was mainly because I was like 10 years old and I was like, he's blonde. And <laughs> 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 you, you, should, you should stop giving me the thumbs up. The I, up. I didn't say anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so my opinion on Quantum has softened a little and uh, Casino Royale is now in my, well, it's in my top three, essentially. Oh. Yeah, come around on crack quite a bit. <laughs>
4: Don't know why that's funny. What? Uh, <laughs> so, what are your top three then?
6: Well, my top three are *License to Kill*, *Madness*, and *Casino Royale*. Really, choose a favorite between the three of them. Like, sort of interchangeable for me. Which one's on top? But um, yeah. yeah, those are my top three. Love those.
4: And they're all three that people keep reminding us now that, but the slightly off the formula, which we'll get onto. Yeah,
6: yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a. I'm a <laughs> and what we call a little edge lord, I guess, in some sense. But um, <laughs> yeah, I like I like things that are a bit out of the ordinary. But I mean, I also love the usual stuff. You know, Spine loved me. Octopussy is just like outside of my top ten, so it's also got a good place. Mm. And, and set, in, so set in Germany as well, a bit. Octopus-y. Yeah, it is, isn't it. Yeah, I love that. It's it's so funny every time I hear someone speak German in a Bond movie. It's uh, very interesting and they used to do some interesting stuff with the German um, the German dubs of the Bond movies because I remember being insanely confused when George Lazenby when I uh, watched uh, Majesties for the first time he had the same um, voice actor as Sean Connery here in Germany Oh Oh, wow! and I think they did that explicitly because they were trying to be like no no this guy is like the guy you liked before yeah, um, yeah, and it it felt so insanely weird because it's like a pretty well known voice actor in Germany. Would you I say was... I, I I think that's not unlike using some
7: dialogue and a song from a previous Bond film to try and make you. <laughs> sorry, 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 <laughs> too soon, too early, too early. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, carry on, Nikolai. Welcome that's here. Good. That was oh, very God. that was very rude of me. Very rude of me. You carry on.
5: Nikolai, actually, can I ch- chip in and ask a question? And this might be yeah. a bit specific, so I'm not expecting you to definitely know the answer. But obviously, uh, you'll have seen the English-speaking version of uh, On the Secret Service, where it's not dubbed. And obviously, George Lazenby's voice is dubbed when he goes uh, oh, yeah. initially yeah. undercover. Yeah. So did they use a different voice actor for those scenes in I, the film? What did they do there in, in, your, in your German version?
6: I actually rewatched it uh, to find that out, because... I had posted something about it on Twitter, and people were like, "So, do they change the voice actor for that part?" And they don't; they leave it at um, the same voice actor that Sean Connery had in German. So, yeah,
4: yeah, which is actually what they should have done with absolutely, yeah, mm. on a Majesty,
5: yeah,
6: yeah, yeah, But
4: yeah, okay, great, thanks. Has anyone ever heard footage of what? Because they didn't tell him, did they? John was telling us that he only found out that they'd dubbed his voice when he watched the premiere, basically. So I don't know what his version was like. it might have been all right, who knows that's interesting so i i I think back in those days they dubbed most of the
5: voice afterwards anyway, didn't they you know the, so they would have got dropped yeah, yeah. to revoice it in a sound booth so did you I wonder if he did go in and voice all those lines and then they didn't use his his take uh, I don't know no. maybe because they were on set, maybe they did record the sound there, but certainly all location stuff used to be dubbed in those days so uh. honey rider well, she she didn't she didn't know she was being dubbed did she Till she saw.
4: Oh really? I think
5: so.
6: <laughs> so large, yeah, I think
4: there's quite a few examples where these people didn't know they were going to be. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's it now, isn't it? For dubbing, um, you've never you never hear that anymore. I think it was Carol Bouquet was the last one, but I still think yeah. it doesn't look like she was dubbed at all. So it didn't. Uh, I, good, I, I, I
5: mentioned that Lazenby shouldn't have been dubbed for those scenes, and he liked my tweet. So that was, uh, that was oh, like, yes. a reaffirming affirming moment of my life. Yeah.
4: <laughs> what a guy! It's great. It's great to see he's. He was at the LA premiere, wasn't he? Of No Time Today. I think he lives there. He he might feature in this discussion if we ever get there, uh, about, about this film. <laughs> Brilliant Nikolai. I know you've already said that your favourite actor is probably Dalton and your favourite yeah, film is, is like
6: probably it is Dalton.
4: I well, think. yeah. Listen to this. That's not me, you know, guiding the the guest here, Nikolai. That's 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 Nikolai coming forward with it.
6: Coming from my from my heart.
4: Absolutely. <laughs>
6: Bless your heart. <laughs>
4: done that gag before we'll do it again (laughs) right chaps we will press on with uh, chatting about no time to die debating as this episode is called we've got so much to discuss we probably can't explore it all in this episode we will be having other discussions on the film we may well be gathering all your thoughts on this extraordinary lazy inspired dramatic cheap thrilling emotional cold Silly, serious, gritty, sci fi horror Bond film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes without saying that we're going to be chatting about all aspects of the film. So, this there will be many spoilers basically. So, if you if you haven't seen the film Australian and whatever territories still haven't had it out by now, do do switch off and listen to it after you've seen it though. Can't stress that enough. Don't want to put you off listening to this podcast forever. <laughs> This isn't one of our official in-depth reviews, so Nikolai's already mentioned those are often six two-hour episodes. We'll go about things a bit differently tonight, even though it is a review and it is in-depth. So yeah, (laughs) right. That's the end of the gags. We will get to the film. (laughs) I I don't know. um, I don't really know where to start with this because, okay. Well, we've we've each given our first thoughts of the film in in those episodes. I'll just ask Steve first of all. Just coming into the film what were your expectations for it? For me it's in- interesting
5: because and I've mentioned this to you guys before I don't watch uh, trailers or anything of a Bond film before it comes out. I learned my lesson way back in 1995 with Goldmine because I was you know I was 19 then so excited when that was coming out. Obviously my previous Bond film had been out when I was 13 and, and that when you're that age that's an enormous gap isn't it and been to the cinema and seen Licence to Kill and uh, it'd been the best you know most exciting experience uh, in the cinema of my life so I was now a huge Bond fan and then of course there's this what feels like a lifetime uh, of gap so Goldeneye comes along I'm lucky enough to know people working on the film so that's getting me excited yeah I, I was beyond beyond rational really in how excited I was So I watched everything. And there was a lot that their coverage was great because, of course, there was all this big national pride at Bond coming back. There were makings of there was Barry Norman doing his thing. And I watched literally everything. I saw every trailer. and I even started to work out which channels were running the adverts more so I could see the trailers more often. So when I finally went to see the film for the first time and again, I was really lucky I managed to go to the premiere in Leicester Square. Uh, So I was in this great event, um, but I literally felt like I'd seen uh, it was like a jigsaw and I was just putting the jigsaw pieces together. I still absolutely love the film and and it's still up there in my top five or six Bond films and always will be. But um, I learned a lesson that, yeah, don't do that. So I went to the other extreme and for any Bond film ever since I have never seen, if I can make it possible, a frame. And all I had seen of this film before going in was a very, very brief glimpse of the DB5 spinning round because it had popped up on social media Mm. when I wasn't prepared and I had to quickly swipe it away. So that was literally all I'd seen of the film. I knew the song, yeah, I knew the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I quickly forgot the song. I can't even remember the song now, so that was easy (laughs) enough. Expectations, I suppose, (laughs) you've got to bear in mind, you know, it's Daniel Craig and they've done a very different thing with Daniel Craig, but although I really didn't like Spectre when I saw it at the cinema because I thought it was just daft and silly. I, when I watched it again later, I kind of approached it with a different attitude and I thought, well, it was daft and silly because I was pro- approaching it in the way they've kind of tried to make Daniel Craig films, very serious dramas. They think they're very clever. So I'd try to watch it like that and then it seemed just daft. When I watched it again, I kind of just thought, well, what happens if I treat it like a you know a Roger Moore film? I'm going in for fun. I'm going in for silly. And do you know what? quite enjoyed it I mean still well down my list of favorite Bond films but I I got you know I, I certainly enjoyed it more watching it that way and I thought well actually maybe they'll build on that maybe they'll build on the humor but they'll have learned from the criticism of Spectre in that the plot wasn't great and there was some you know some some ideas that were a bit cringy so I had some hopes that they would do that but in the back of my mind I did think this is Daniel Cray and I'm not going to say it's an ego thing because I don't know, I don't know the guy, but it's like he likes to stand out in his bond thing. He doesn't want to do what the others have done. So I had in my mind something big would happen. Uh so that was my kind of expectation going in. Something big's gonna happen because it's Daniel Craig and he'll he'll want that. He'd have argued that as his only reason for coming back, that and 30 million dollars. <laughs> so yeah, so though that's kind of what I went in with. I'd seen nothing of it. I've come around to thinking that Spectre's quite fun, even if, you know, it's a bit rubbish, but it's quite fun. Uh, And so I was hoping that maybe we'll get a bit of fun, they'll do something big, and let's see where it goes. That's what I thought walking in.
4: That's so interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose when we're running this podcast, we've kind of got to look at stuff that I wouldn't really want to look at. One of those big things was a couple of weeks before it came out, was the soundtrack. Mm. And, yeah, people, you know, it's like, oh, it seems all right to spoil... Do spoilers for the soundtrack, didn't it? Uh, never mind the film. I can't remember whether it was David Licence He put something about a view to a kill in there, and that that threw me. I was like, what on earth? That's not in the soundtrack, is it? I don't I don't know whether there is some kind of connection, but I, I, someone maybe can answer that. But certainly, we knew that on a Majesty. I don't know whether Harry did. Did you know that, Harry, that on a manchester had some of that music in there?
8: I fell for the same thing looking at License to Queer's Instagram. Yeah. I, was, I was just scrolling through. And <laughs> I'm well excited. At that point, Rob and Chris had heard the soundtrack, and there was some suggestion of callbacks. But yeah, there was a picture that David put up with the Kill soundtrack. I thought, what? What? <laughs> and and I saw a bit of his caption, and that I'm sure mentioned wine with Stacy, Steve. know, yeah. this is your this is your baby, and and like, I'm thinking what like what? And then, <laughs> like, There's a new Daniel Craig Bond film that calls back to Wine with Stacy*. And I was genuinely... And, and like, genuinely, I was thinking this is real, because David, you know, I'd seen... I'd been trying to avoid spoilers, and I'd, I'd seen that as a spoiler. But now it is absolutely laughable <laughs> to think I ever believed that was true. <laughs> that Wine with <would> Stacey... <laughs> not, not just that any part of a, you know, a Roger Moore soundtrack could make it into a Daniel Craig one, but of all the ones from A View to a Kill, I mean, so it's laughable, but sorry, to answer your question with regards to On A Majesty's Secret Service, there was this discussion of callbacks in it. Also, being James Bond had used On A Majesty's Secret Service, the documentary, so that was on my head, that had kind of warmed me, well, not warmed me, but pre-warned me um, about it being used. And then I saw... George Lazenby's spoiler-free tweet, I think, about it saying, you know, I can't remember what they said about the film, but interesting choices of music there. I was thinking, I just thought, right, right yeah, yeah it's, they're going to they're, they're be using on a magic secret service here. I didn't I? Didn't keep it in my head that much? I didn't go into the film, you know, with a prejudice against against that aspect. I, I, it was, it wasn't, not at all surprising when I heard it in the film.
4: It is weird, isn't it? Because. I don't know, I, I sort of gave it the benefit of the doubt when I heard that that was going to be in it. And then I heard that Matera track, I think because Chris and Robert were, were playing it and everything. And I stupidly didn't really think much about it. Think, hang on, why on earth is that? This is a different timeline, isn't it? There's not been a, tr- a Tracy. So I was thinking, what? An, I, I didn't seem to think what on earth is going on. I d- Did you hear the soundtrack, Nikolai, before the film came out?
6: Uh, no, I didn't. I sort of went out of my way to not listen to it except for the theme song so I, that that was a happy surprise i didn't know that they were going to use some uh, majesty stuff because i've read i'd read about it on uh, the bond subreddit but i was surprised at how early they uh, brought that in
8: was there a spoiler in the track listing as well like a year ago or something like a name of a track or something
6: no, they uh, Just the
8: fact it, it said it, gun barrel
7: yeah, the, 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 yeah. Well, that yeah, isn't a spoiler that. these days. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there was the, the the names of the tracks were released, but none of them. I wouldn't say any of them are sp- particularly massive sp- out there spoilers. Oh really? No. Are they? I, I okay, mean, sorry, back, it, back
4: know, to to yeah. Sorry, Chris. Rob was quite positive, wasn't he, when he was listening to the soundtrack, and you seemed fairly positive. We, were, we, were you, were you, but you must alarm bells must have been ringing when you were hearing these themes, were they?
9: Yeah. I- <laughs> When when it ca- when it played because I we were sent it as basically like a, it was a link so I downloaded them but they weren't in order so I was trying to skip through them so there, there was no context whatsoever. All oh, right. So it went. I heard a, a later track where they just stood around um, and, oh, um, yeah. and Bond they just stood around and then the, the uh, this basically the ski chase music plays and you're expecting <laughs> something exciting to happen, nothing. Um, so I heard that, and I was just like, I, I, it kinda, I, I just wasn't expecting that at all because it's that's a film from long ago, and these, this Daniel Craig's films are very different to that. Why, are we, why is this piece of music dropped in? And so in my head, I was like, how does that fit into the scene? How? And then I was like, what what Harry said on his kind of pre-viewing comments about are they going to drop? him into that film, you know, (laughs) like, so that's like Daniel Craig is George Lazenby skiing down. And that's where I was like,
4: how, how, what does
9: this fit? And obviously, but also when I heard that music, I couldn't help but be excited because it's such an amazing piece of music. And I was like, really excited. Like, oh, well, how does this fit? I have no idea how it fits. Then the material track. And it was only the following day I was like, what, what makes, you know, the, the the Herzene back net go up is because, you the story because of the characters of that film and everything you associated with it. And it felt like suddenly I was like, I was really worried thinking, why are they hard, why why is there a callback to a film that's really emotional and much more interesting? So I started to sort of panic and thinking, oh no, what's gonna happen? But my initial thought was I could not help but be excited because this is John Barry, John Barry appearing in the new Bond film. I was just like swept away. But yeah, as soon as, as soon as since the following morning, you know, the morning after the regret, The <laughs> morning started. after the night before, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. what is going to happen? So, I, I, like you, when it when the film started and bang, you know, within well, I was going to say in, in the first ten minutes, no, <laughs> forty five minutes of the title sequence within the first couple of minutes of post title sequence. Play it, and there's lots of references to it straight away, and I, I was I was really surprised. So yeah, the soundtrack I was excited to hear, and obviously, as soon as you hear it, it's Hans Zimmer at his kind of best and his most dramatic and his most kind of grand. And so in my head, I was thinking of all sorts of scenes and action, you know, set pieces. Sadly, I I, I didn't get
4: those. I think it was still within the pre-title sequence. I think because you had the the horror scene, the the flashback, and then you had all material. All material was in. Yes, the Three yeah. titles, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I quite like the, the the other bit of music that was in the same track. There was an original, nice bit of Hans Zimmer. Yeah, you know that could have been um, used. Before, but that was it. Vespers, yeah. the, the love theme of Vesper. Does that also feature? Anything? Yeah, well, oh, that's good though. I think. Well, I, I'm not saying
8: we yeah, need yeah, to go back
4: to the grave, and I'm not sure about the choice of that. But
8: oh no, no, but to, to the music
4: that for be, that. that? Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's appropriate. It's yeah. a theme that they're entitled to. Nikolai go on you can come back on us on this one please
6: (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be really fun Um, I like that they used Majesties because it's I mean of course it's not a direct parallel and it's a different timeline as we all know but there is sort of the thematic parallel of Bond trying to like have this happy life away from um, his job essentially and then that all getting screwed up, and in on her Majesty's Secret Servant, it's it obviously gets screwed up because his wife, spoiler alert, <laughs> ends up. <dying>. <laughs> <laughs> in this one, it gets screwed up because he basically he, the film basically gives him the choice, either you die or you basically cause your newfound family, so to speak, to die. And so the the similar theme there is that Bond can never really be happy or can never truly be happy when he you know, tries to find love. Because of that, I didn't really mind them using it. It's It sort of feels appropriate because it's it parallels something in like a thematic sense, in my opinion. I did love the Matera theme. I love the way uh, Hans Zimmer at first uses an original, Sort of orchestral thing, and then moves into uh, the, the instrumental of "We Have All the Time in the World." Yeah, yeah so it's, I'm positive on it essentially, but I, I think the soundtrack as a whole is pretty strong. I think it might have been the strongest for me since Casino Royale. Yeah. yeah.
5: Briefly chipping on the on the Majesty's thing, because actually it's really interesting hearing Nikolai's take, because that's the take of a, a, a far more sane person than me. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Thank you. I guess
5: (laughs) the problem I had, because my emotion was clearly too much at the front of my head, was I got so angry at the moment they played it because Mm -hmm. I just thought, you know, as I've explained, I had no idea what was going to happen in this film. I'd, I'd seen nothing. As soon as he said we have all the time in the world, I just thought that is the Daniel Craig ego that I've been worrying about. He's going to die. I just immediately knew he was going to die yeah. because they're not going to kill the woman again. Cause they've obviously done that. They would
7: and that that was in the first 50, you know, after 15, 20 15 minutes, or so. minutes. So yeah. I, I was yeah.
5: seething at that point. So I couldn't appreciate the music or, or take anything in that Nikolai has just said so very, very eloquently. Uh I was just so angry and that anger didn't massively subside throughout the film <laughs> <can imagine. laughs> for a bit, yeah, yeah. but then it was, it was, uh, regener- and the funny thing was in retrospect, I don't, I don't really mind, it will come to the dying, but I don't actually really mind him dying. But then I got angry again about how he died. So we'll get to that later. But, but as for that, that music, I couldn't enjoy it because I was, I just thought you've just given it away. with that one line, he's obviously going to die. That's it now. I know that for the rest of the film. I'm waiting for him yeah. to die. And they had the line, didn't they? Is it, is it? Yeah, he said the line we have all the time in the world. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. I might as well just go home now. Yeah.
4: It's too obvious, though, is isn't it? Just...
5: Uh, that, that was my problem. It was, it was far yeah. too obvious. Perhaps they didn't...
8: I agree. It did, the seed was planted really early on. About I guess if you've meeting. gone and you're not a big I mean, Bond fan,
5: yeah, i.e. Yeah. seen on Her Majesty's, and you've got to be a fairly big Bond fan to have watched on Her Majesty's in this day and age, I would think. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's probably a lot more subtle, you know, because there are a lot of people in that. I, there are people who think that that song was first used in <laughs> <laughs> time of
6: the day. Uh, <laughs> you will see. Well, no. um,
5: yeah. The Guinness
4: advertisements. yeah, that was where it yeah. was made famous,
8: yeah. My other slight problem with it is <laughs> that um, I've not revisited the soundtrack afterwards, but obviously that theme and that song was made for the film and had tremendous impact. You've now got the chance to create your own theme to, and that will have tremendous impact on
4: a piece of history. You've got Hans Zimmer.
8: Why are you, wh- yeah, why are you
4: not coming up with something new? To be yeah. fair, but- they did use a lot of the no time today instrumental of the song. Yeah.
7: Yeah. And they had
4: they used it as a love theme. Yeah. Which is even more baffling why they needed to add this one as well. Because it had it right at the end, didn't they?
7: If you're being a very cynical man, and please forgive me, <laughs> Nikolai. I don't want it to seem like we're all ganging up on you or anything like no, that. No, so it's fine, it's fine. What you said was really, really good, and you know, massively take that on board. But I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit at first I thought there was an element of trying to link it more back to old Bond films to remind you that this is a James Bond film. And, you know, in some ways I don't mind the idea of doing something like that, but I don't think music is the best way to do it other than the James Bond theme and the 007 theme, but that's obviously not been used since Moonraker. As I say, I don't mind the Vesper theme because that, you know, that's within the same timeline. It makes sense. that, That makes sense to me. But this, it does seem a bit like trying to force emotion onto you and like, you know, remember how you felt about that or... Uh, well, but as as Steve says, actually, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know that that was a Bond.
4: The music's bond. far more famous to, yeah, yeah. Um, to the public.
7: But I, I just find it, I find it too too forced, too on the nose and too lazy, really. You know, I'd say it's far more ambitious and, I, you know, I'd have preferred it so much more if... They'd had their own line of dialogue that was linked to the name of a new song that they'd composed, and if
4: you ask me to, well, <laughs>
7: it yeah, is. Well, yeah. So, why you don't know. you
4: ask me? It is. It's worked.
7: So yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, I I would just. I'd rather they back them would back themselves to do that, and then it's it's also great so that you can have like a second a second song, or they might have thought, well, that will overshadow the you know the. The main song or something, but like you said, they used they used that really well. I really like that as um, the way that that was used throughout the film. So I, I think it was, yeah, I I, I really struggle with it.
5: And I think if you're going to use the song as well, just from listening to what you've all said, really, apart from Nikolai, who obviously thought it was it was it was well placed, and and I can when he when he explains it, if I hadn't seen the film, I'd be completely sold with you, Nikolai. I'd be a hundred percent behind you, having heard heard your your feelings on it. For me, I feel like it's such an important song in Bond. You have to earn the right if you want to use it. And throwing it in five minutes into the film is not earning the right. Now, had, had the film built up brilliantly and the final scene had been that he had... There was no way of surviving for him. It was completely impossible. And he'd said on the phone to, we have only time in the world, I might have bought that and got... And then that, and that, and the emotion would have hit me Had the, had the death scene been, in my opinion, done better and then he'd said it to her and then they played it i might have bought that to have built up to it throughout the film but to throw it in 5 minutes in and basically signpost that he's going to die someone's going to die and it's probably him uh so early in the film uh, yeah i felt it was just a, a bit of a cheap easy easy trick really I, I think
7: i think they had they, they felt they had to do it you know as i often talk about a plant and payoff that they do in films where you know you plant a line or you plant a a prop or something like that early on why are you waiting and, the and, and then it, it's referenced later and you know a line that you'd you hadn't realized you remembered you remember type thing i think it was a, a lazy one of them really yeah they, well, they perhaps, they could have, and, perhaps
5: he could have used the line and we didn't get the music and almost well, bond fans might have been like oh i wish they'd played the music now but actually the better filmmaker wouldn't have done it, it yeah. <laughs> yeah
6: wouldn't fans have criticized it exactly that it would have been like uh why didn't yeah. they play the music so it's yeah yeah some of them would yeah what
4: do you think would have been the reception if when Dalton, you say, oh, I'm sorry to go back to him again. Yeah, but you know no. that in the famous, he was married once, you know, in Licence to Kill. Yeah. If then there'd been a little whiff of the, we have all the time in the world. Or when on Fiore's only, he's putting the flowers up. The, again, both those occasions, they could, they could have chosen to do it, but they didn't, did they? It's quite interesting that.
6: I, I don't disagree that it's a bit on the nose. <laughs> I mean, quite a bit on the nose. <laughs> just, maybe I'm just really, I, I'm just really simply or easily manipulated. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, manipulative no. music. It is. <laughs> <Liz. laughs> it's such good music,
4: isn't it? And um, it's unbelievable
6: <laughs> music, yeah. And and uh, the cinematography when they're driving to Matera, it it just sort of fits with that moment. And um, I don't disagree that it's on the nose. I also wonder maybe. Bond fans would be a or like the Bond fans that had a problem with that would be a little less critical of it if they hadn't gone full out at the end playing the Louis Armstrong yeah. version. Yeah, that's um, true. I think that might have been a bit too much. It just sort of worked for me. It did, like it did manipulate me into being like, oh my god, I'm I'm getting the I I got very emotional. Yeah. um very soon into the film. So yeah. I, I Can think ask
8: Nikolai. sorry, oh, sorry. Go on. You, no, no, go on. Hurry, I was hurry, just going to say when when you hear that the Stowe's tracks and the song now what comes to mind is it like a fusion of Majesties and No Time to Die or do you just still have traces death and their their love at the front what well, <clears throat> which comes first?
6: Um, <laughs> I mean because uh,
8: I've seen I've seen articles saying that No Time to Die like the wrongs of honor Majesty's secret service and sort of surpasses it. <clears throat>
6: well that's that's not something i would agree with but um leading the witness yeah <laughs> yeah i mean no ge- genuinely cuz that's yeah, one yeah. thing i've struggled with
8: the next day i found myself singing it and humming it and mm. getting quite upset with myself
6: yeah i mean i think it depends if i just listen to the i i, I guess the normal instrumental or the the louis armstrong version i, I think i would still mostly think of on Her Majesties. If I listen to the Matera theme, I obviously think of No Time to Die. But yeah. I don't think they clash that much in my head. But I, I mean, Absolutely. I can't really say just yet. I think. It's not very Can perfect. I throw in a,
5: a positive, which is because um, I, you know, I'm clinging to a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that actually some some people who enjoyed the film uh, and enjoyed that music and yes. have now learned that it came from on a majesty's secret service yeah. we'll actually go and watch that as yeah. well and hopefully they'll enjoy that as well uh, my son he's 14 it was the first time i've been able to take my my two oh, eldest no. children to see a bond film and they they both really enjoyed it and uh, they were a bit perturbed as i came out telling them how, how terrible it was um, but <laughs> my um, but my son said to me uh, a couple of days later can we watch on a majesty's secret service now cuz i want to see where that really? music comes oh, yes.
8: from that is good
5: so that's great and um, yeah and if that, that works, especially I'm, because I'm thinking of you, Nicola, where you say people in Germany don't don't really know the George Lazenby film, perhaps some people there will, will, will spark an interest and they'll, they'll want to see it now. And I think that would be a, a That's really true,
4: yeah. Thing. There's also the sort of legacy that Honor Manches has, doesn't it, amongst Bond fans and even the Bond producers. Because, of course, it wasn't as well received and they went back to Connery and changed direction. Lazenby was almost forgotten, wasn't he, for decades until relatively recently in the last, what, 10 years or so. It's had a renaissance. I don't know whether it's anything to do with people like Christopher Nolan and um, Steven Soderbergh saying how much they were inspired by it. But George Lazenby has obviously done his film and he's been quite prominent and he's getting a heck of a lot of love from Bond fans, which is quite, quite right there, I think. And the music has had a, a, you know, a resurgence as well. And I think Again, the bond producers—they're looking to see what what the trends are, what's popular, and they realise that hang on, this—we've got something in this, we might, might might use this because it's critically well received, and it has paid off somehow. Because I, I would, if I was a producer, and someone suggested, why don't we play that again? Because it's got a resurgence of that. Like, oh, the fans will say, no, no, that's to do with honour managers. No, we don't, don't. You'll you'll really rile up the fans if you do that. Yeah. Don't don't f don't. with the original. Yeah. Like you said, the, the actual Louis Armstrong song at the end. Loads of people who love Honor Manchester's always complain that they should have had that at the end of Honor Manchester's. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I'm now glad they didn't because there's another thing going around that No Time to Die ends on a real downer. Well, you know, you, you loved Honor Manchester's. Why don't you like this? Well, partly because the Bond theme kicks in so soon after. I am like, this is, and it's one of the I think it's one of the best versions of the Bond theme on the synthesizer, isn't it? The cork, whatever. And I'm like, goodness me, that is not the end of Bond. He's back. He's going to be back. I'm, I'm even though the the song itself is beautiful and the instrumental, it's so short. That scene it's so well done. And then we're right back on Bond. Like, doo, 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 and you're like, Oh my word. So to have the, the sort of actual official song at the end might have been another, sorry, we didn't do it then lads. We'll have it on this time. Um, I think,
5: um, I would actually like them to have used it on Her Majesty's at, at the end. I think it would have, I think you, it would have been brave. I think the director wanted it, didn't he, Peter Hunt, But the producers felt it was too much of a down to oh. a film, like and I get that because they, you know, in those days they're still not secure in the franchise going on and on, so they want to make sure people come back. So I can see it both ways. And when I, I get your point, the, it's good to go out on a high. But uh, I, I quite I would have quite liked on. the the emotion to carried on in honor majesties either with the instrumental or, or Louis Armstrong. Yeah. I just hope people go back and watch it now because it's such a great film and I don't mind. Mm -hmm. I don't got no problem with people enjoying no time to die. I think that's, that's, that's brilliant. Great. But I really hope if one thing comes of it, that because of the references to some of our favorite films, they'll actually go and watch them. Those that haven't already seen them. Mine with Stacey. (laughs) (laughs) Proper classics.
7: I I think, um, (laughs) yeah, I I playing the song, at the end was definitely too much for me. I think just for me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Snowman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't <laughs> remember that there was a reaction around me. Well, there was a reaction around me from the really double <laughs> seven lads. But I also, I, I, Tom, I, I do think you're right about this on a Majesty's Secret Service. Going back to it because, of course, they played the instrumental as, as Chris mentioned earlier. They played the instrumental of the the you know the the theme, the action theme, ski theme. Well, almost like a slowed down version for a fairly mundane talking scene by, by the river. So there must have been some clear, like we want to, we want to bring yeah. back the, the spirit, the tone, the, you know, the tragedy of, of Honor Majesty's. So yeah, I think, I think that for me putting that, you know, that instrumental bit in it really hammers home that point.
8: And whose decision do you think this is? Do you think it's Hans or you is it no, something know. What caused, why the other composer, why does he <laughs> yeah, he it, has it caused problems? You know, who's, who's actually made these decisions?
6: I think it would probably have been the producers because Hans Zimmer ca- came in pretty late yeah. into doing the soundtrack, right? So I don't think he would have even had time to think of references like that. I think yeah. they sort of said, hey, we think you should maybe put this in and then he sort of did yeah. this. Strap, yeah. And it's in the it's script.
4: The script line in. They've yeah. obviously thought early doors, haven't they? That this music's yeah. going in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. I d- I'm trying to think of a link with the on the main, on a majesty's theme in the talking by the Thames. I could only think that it was that famous picture of George Lazenby when he was cast as Bond, with that picture of him at the lamp. I can't. I can't think of any other. Maybe because it was. He is in. <laughs> he's back on her Majesty's Secret Service. He's back working for MI6. Maybe. I, I mean,
6: he is sort of, I mean, that scene is sort of talking about his relationship with, like, the Secret Service in general and M sort of having done his very shady biological weapon <laughs> thing, which we can, we are probably get <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
6: out of character or not. I can already feel it. But, um... Oh no, Nikolai, please don't be
7: fearful of us. <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> I'll get you not get you're
7: you're a good man you're a better uh, man than me you know please continue uh,
6: i don't know I, I i think it's worked okay uh, it did feel a little bit out of place but if i remember correct in her majesty's day in uh, on her majesty's they also sometimes play a sort of slower version of it i think shortly before the whole attack on peace gloria happens they also play like a like an ominous Sort yeah, of yeah. Version of it. And I don't know. I feel like it gave the scene some an ominous undertone or like a sort of gravitas to it.
9: I'd, I'd, I'd heard somewhere, it might have been another podcast, but that scene. Oh, listen to other podcasts. I, you know, I'm sorry. I did listen to, to <laughs> it. But that, that, that scene was when you actually listen to what they're talking about, it's very nondescript, it has nothing to do with the plot. And it was all to do with it was almost like a placeholder's kind of they shot it and it was so they're not referencing nanobots and it, it was very early on i think and so adding that music such and that music is all about momentum isn't it it's all about, about sort of building up momentum and that's what they basically did and I, I suppose once you use that piece of music in the opening that you know you would have to know you have all the time in the world Everything's up for grabs then. So why not use that in that scene? But when I watched that, I was like, I couldn't help again, I couldn't help be he swept away. It's like the next is going to dissolve, and then we're going to see Daniel Craig like skiing down a mountain or something. It was like <laughs> the next scene, oh, something exciting is, is going to happen. And it didn't. And it was it's such a strange, and I do think it is because they thought, How do we kind of not just we've not just taken that one song from that other film? how can we add other sort of motifs and references to it? But for, I like to say for, for me really jarred because that music is sort of action music.
4: Chris, what on earth did you think when you, I know you didn't hear them in order and you perhaps didn't know the order of them, but final ascent. I mean, what, what earth was going to your mind hearing this almost like Da Vinci code style music from Hans Zimmer? Like what, how on earth is this going to be placed in the film? What, I think when when I when I heard it, I did I, I thought
9: this is, you know, it's quite clear that it's building to some sort of, you know, crescendo, emotional or action or so. Obviously, I was thinking straight off death scene. This is, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's going to be, you know, and I know we reference it a lot. You know, sort of the the, the Dark Knight, where you know it looks like he's going to die. He's sort of fakes his death kind of thing and then there's another scene where actually he's you know, he's off he's retired somewhere else and he's he's alright I was thinking that straight off because so that music is so yeah it's, it's really kind of emotional and building up to this kind of moment it had to be it was so dramatic it had to be something it couldn't be him killing the baddie
7: I am um, I think I think you know I think it's almost unfathomable to think that they didn't have Hans Zimmer to start you know they had Dan Roma yeah. now I don't know anything about his scores but I, I think I think the score particularly for stuff like that you know it do, it does a lot of work for the film and you know Oh yeah, yeah. It, you cannot accuse Hans Zimmer of ever toning anything particularly down you know it's all you know he's he's all guns blazing whether it's an emotional thing or whether it's an action thing or anything like that so you know I I think I wonder if they they kind of heard a bit of Dan Rome's score and thought I think we need I think we need someone yeah. who's, who's going to give us absolutely absolutely everything and and you know, I would say that was the right choice.
4: Yeah, because I don't think... Was Roma... Had he done anything with Carrie Fukunaga, maybe? Yeah,
7: yeah, I think so. I remember Beasts called. of No Nation. Beast of No Nation, yeah, that's
4: it. Keep getting mixed up with that other film with a child in New Orleans in Storm that has a similar title.
6: I think it's Beasts of the Southern... Wild- Thank
4: you, yes. The little girl got an Oscar nomination when she was about 10, something like that. yeah. 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 So I thought that was one of his films until very recently. And then, you know, apparently there's another film with beasts in the title that isn't about beasts. Obviously, why would it be? There it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I presume beasts and is nothing to do with it. anyway. So, anyway, we'll forget that.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Trina Parks. You are listening to Really 007. You're on again, Bambi.
4: We'll go back to the in fact we'll go back to the gun barrel. I know this is this is short progress, but slow progress. But yeah, Harry, what was your Thoughts, when you? I don't Um, know. Can
8: I just... I know some of you might have seen it more than once. Can I just clarify what happens? Because it it fits in with Universal, doesn't it? The Universal logo. Yeah. The globe becomes white, which becomes the gun barrel. But then from there, it does the thing where the white circle dashes across the screen in quite an old-fashioned way. I think sort of a retro Bond gun barrel. This is me just trying to jog my memory. And then it comes in and it's got quite, um, not futuristic, but up-to-date CGI gun barrel, hasn't it? That isn't quite, you know, slightly different, maybe quite silvery. He shoots the person and there's no blood. And then it, it, he fades to white. He fades away. But the gun barrel stays. And then the gun barrel zooms in on an aerial shot of the snow. Is that right? I'm pretty sure that's right. right. It's quite different in a lot of ways. But... You know, it's it's one of the things we've wanted them to do. We've wanted them to do a gun barrel, and you know, they've tried something different with it. Um, I mean, it's the for me, it's it's fine. I I can definitely accept the gun barrel as as it is. There are more more problematic (laughs) things.
5: Same for me, really. I mean, I don't know why they didn't have the blood. I I I really hope it was some kind of sensor thing that it did have the blood, but they because they wanted the twelve A certificate they'd had certain amounts of blood in the film already and they were like, you've got to lose one element of blood from this film. They're like, oh, we'll just drop it off the gun barrel. We'll take it off there. It uh, could be that it
8: his- just fades into the white of the snow. And again, it's the director, you know, really that's yeah. prioritising the quality of his shot. It's a bit like Sam Mendez, you know, didn't have the gun barrel because he, he was too enamoured with the, his opening shot to have the gun barrel. And it might, you know, if it sounds like a, a similar, probably a similar story, but I think I'll take it.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would have happily had the blood. I would have preferred to have the blood, but I was just pleased to have it. And at that moment, I was thinking, oh, okay, this is going to be fun.
7: Yeah, whereas um, Tom, of course, for the first time, had gone to the toilet thinking there would be loads of trailers and uh, <laughs> he still wasn't in the <laughs> seat and we could see, you know, the Universal and, you know, and what have you, and then just saw Tom running up the stairs.
4: <laughs> yeah, so I, I missed all this. I didn't realise there was no blood until people were talking about it afterwards. I, ha- I have seen it since. I just wish they'd go away from the Blessed Guitar. It's just the same retro version of the Bomb theme there. John Barry, come on, ever, even Hans Zimmer, you know, says what a... Th- this is the man you need to follow. John Barry's moved on from th- that guitar version of the Bond yeah. thing, Gunbra. years ago, you know, moved moved on to the, the strings and the, the flutes and all this sort of stuff. I just don't really like this whole, that's the sort of traditional stuff we want to hear because it's, again, it's trying to earn audience empathy. Just like Good. that Michael Kamen's is just explosive. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like anything we've heard before, but it sounds unbelievably Bond. I just mm-hmm. wish, because Hans Zimmer, we all know he could... Go mad, and it was just quite a tame, obvious Bond theme. A bit like the final note of yes. the song No Time to Die, the babyish pling, really goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, as for,
5: yeah. The, for, as for guitars on the gun barrel, I'm just gonna glance behind me. And- oh no,
4: I love guitars. I got no defense of that. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love the guitars, and I love them in the Bond theme. I don't know. I David just- Arnold reinvented them as well. David Arnold, yeah, was yeah, quite
8: expressive with his,
4: and
9: Eric Sarah.
1: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
4: Oh, <laughs> if only. <laughs> that's a good gun barrel, that, I think. Good. Oh, I mean, that, yeah. that was
5: the first CGI one, wasn't it? That I assume it was CGI. The, the
9: yeah. oh, <laughs> Golden Eye was the first. <laughs> 3D ish, but then, well, I'm going to oh, yeah. save that for the review
4: in like five years time. So
7: I'll, 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 I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> oh, right, okay. to yeah, myself. Right. We, yeah, well, let's press on.
4: Math v Chris. Yeah, we, we mentioned the look of the film, the, the cinematography. Nikolai, you said you, you like the material, the kind of glow, and obviously yeah. the locations are incredible. And I, I must say that that is one strong point in the film for me. The locations. We haven't. Okay, we've seen Italy a hundred times, but this is like a slightly different Italy. Yeah, and uh, Norway. You know we haven't we haven't really seen anywhere like that in bond so i was pleased that, that, that was that was in the film.
6: Yeah yeah I totally agree with that and um uh, I think they did a really good job at making Cuba feel uh very classic Bond Bond-ish. Even though they I, I think they filmed that uh also in Jamaica where they filmed all the Jamaica scenes but they did a really good job at making it look like, a, like a classical Cuban mm-hmm. setting. I think, I, I mean, the cinematography is just great. I think, Cary um, Fukunaga just has a, like, a fantastic eye for cinematography. Um, you've probably not seen uh, Beast of non Nations. Uh, I assume it's, <laughs> really, it's very depressing. It's about oh no, we should have known. No, no, it's about it's about African uh, child soldiers but it's um directed and it it's got some shots that are insanely beautiful a really good contrast with the horrific things that are going on there but um I think he did a fantastic job I mean just the just sort of the opening shot after the title sequence of the spectre agents coming down Um, and Matera at night with everyone burning their secrets and stuff like that. I mean, I'm I'm not sure it's quite on Skyfall level, but it's close, I think. It's that, for me,
4: it's like, do I want something that looks beautiful and amazing, like paintings, or do I want something that looks like it's real and you could go there? To be fair, I think this did a better job of that than Skyfall. Skyfall's going to win every award and Roger Deacons is a genius but it just made for me it made it look more like set up shots because they'd look good rather than Bond has come here right let's make it look good and obviously a lot of it's using sets and everything like the Cuba stuff is an unbelievable set that they'd made there to do that I, I Just the shots of Norway so that bridge and st- I mean this is the kind of stuff I want to see I thought it was superb Jamaica looked unbelievable I thought even, I know the club is was probably on set, but just on the bike and driving around and the beach there, that it looks so real. And I know, I know we've been there before, but we haven't seen it quite that way before. I think um, it's
5: worth mentioning the the this director of photography, Linus yeah. Sangren. I don't know, yeah. but obviously he would have been very not you know as important as as the director really it. with the look of those shots.
8: I, of course, acknowledge how good the cinematography is for Skyfall. I'm a little bit though more of the a similar opinion to Tom, where I don't, I don't, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit distracting, Wayne. And the cinematography in Spectre is all becoming a little bit, you know, it's all becoming a bit bronze and grainy. And after Spectre, I was very much of the opinion, like, that's why I love Martin Campbell, because there's a there's a, there's a gloss and there's, there's something that's really like actually engaging, It engages you with the action, It engages you with the story when it's Martin Campbell. Whereas for like Skyfall and Spectre, it, for me it ended up being a little bit of a distraction. You know, you're in the middle of an action sequence, and oh, what a beautiful shot! Well, no, that's not that's not what I want. So I thought, <clears throat> like for example, in Skyfall, the whole they fall into a pond that's hundred feet deep, and you know, creates beautiful images for that fight. Just for me, totally confuses what's going on. So when I saw so many of the shots in No Time to Die, I was much more pleased with it. It was a lot closer to the Martin Campbell kind of palettes, where there was a range of colours, and the colours depended on the setting. Because with Spectre, no matter where they went, they couldn't escape copper and white, basically. Everywhere they went, it was copper and white every location where, like Nikolai said though, you know, when they go to Cuba in No Time to Die, you get that vibe really, really well. And like you've said, Tom, Norway, you know, a whole new vibe and the mist of the woods. And I thought it was, and also there's a shot that stuck with me from No Time to Die, which was unbelievable. Escape from the house, because they've kind of been tipped off and they're zooming away in that crystal four by four. And then, you know, two other four by fours zoom past the direction. And they kind of think they've got away and the camera's kind of panning around to reveal the top of the bridge. And just as it lines up, the two baddie vehicles come on the horizon of the bridge returning and I thought it was an unbelievable shot but all <laughs> oh, that no. said I think it's like a, a, it's like a sign of the times we're in where more and more people are coming out of a Bond film saying you know that was deep and emotional wasn't the cinematography great like how long have we been going to watch Bond films for that that's like that's like the sixth or seventh point on your list you know that's like a real bonus and that's not I'm just trying to give positives here,
7: that's not <laughs> what's going to engage
8: the masses either I think it's I agree that these are all good shots, but, again, Skyfall Spectre, it was distracting a little bit for me. It's sometimes a little bit distracting in No Time to Die, you know. Him in the Lost World scene where he's going round the, the forest in a deliberately iconic outfit, kind of, in loads of mist. There's, you know, some potential for some really good action there, but you, you're just a little bit distracted by the cinematography, just a little bit wary of every shot's trying to be beautiful. The cinematography is great, but I, I, that's not really why I go to, and watch a Bond film, if I'm honest. That's my personal taste. There are far greater things I'm interested in than the cinematography when it comes to James Bond. I like I locations. Think... Locations, absolutely. But Martin Campbell gets locations right and so many other directors get locations right. Yeah, I, I don't know.
5: I think it's quite nice, Harry, actually, when you when you notice the cinematography on the eighth or ninth time you watch a Bond film, you're like, I oh, yes, you haven't really exactly. thought about that. Yeah, why yeah. I Love Me. There's some beautiful lighting in that. Yeah. it's not yeah. what you're gonna think about the first time you see The Spy I Love Me, but when you've seen it a lot of times and you notice other things, you're like, wow,
4: whiting there, it's just gorgeous, you know? But yeah, I completely agree. In Egypt, but, we noticed that. In incredible shots.
6: Couldn't you say the same thing about On Her Majesty's though? Because that one is quite, like, quite cinematic in its breadth and... Um,
8: yeah, I agree. And the editing, it's it, its all
6: quite noticeable. But
8: I think, for, I think for the good of the for the plot and for the good of the story, Whereas, yeah. like I say, this hundred-foot deep pond in Skyfall—that <laughs> that was them. That was them trying to impress, not yes. them trying to do anything other than impress. Okay. You mean in that the mass.
6: in the pre-title sequence where he falls? No, it means um, he means in, in Skyfall.
8: Sky- oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like it's, like mar- it's like a puddle, really. It's a puddle. Yeah,
4: it was in again though. It was in the uh, the pre-title sequence of No Time to Die, wasn't it? Chris is not. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, under the ice. To, to be fair, the early Bond films did win quite a lot and got nominations for like BAFTA and Academy Award for cinematography. They were quite striking looking films, particularly like From Rush With Love, some of the shots, and that are incredible, aren't they? We talked about that in the review. And it's, that was all part of the, the glamour, wasn't it, of watching a Bond film. So I do, I do think, I understand what you're saying, right? I don't think your average Bond, sorry, member of the public could care less about stuff like this. But it is there. To ha- There's some of the reasons why you remember the locations, why you remember certain shots. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd fault the cinematography for this film too much. I don't think it was too distracting, which is, which is some of the problems that we've had in the last few films, really. Yeah, I agree, that's fair. Definitely, that's fair.
7: If you're enjoying Really
4: 007 Pot,
7: why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram?
4: Look us up at Really 007 Pot to scare the living daylights out of you. Action scenes. I mean, there's one of the biggest action scenes is in the pre-title scene to Matera, and then we're introduced to Primo as well. Harry, did you know that Primo existed going into this film? Sorry, just say... say He's that, called Primo, you know, the guy with the, the fake No, I arms. didn't,
8: I didn't. Well, and that and must um, have been good, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, that was brilliant. You know, a henchman with who's fairly distinctive. And sorry, just when I was sort of doing the cover art for this episode <laughs> it features all the characters pretty much in like some kind of collage way and i hadn't realized primo had his own poster i know pretty much everyone had the yeah. poster of this film but i that had completely evaded me his poster so yeah it was completely i didn't know about his
4: character at all and it was and yeah i think that's that's good did you know him steve did you was that a shock to see him when you f- watched it
5: yeah yeah I, I i'd not seen him at all yeah i literally all i'd seen was the db5 going in a circle that was the only <laughs> The, the film, greatest okay. use of the... Doing the donuts, I believe, is the... Is, history, um, yeah. so, no, and I love that. Yeah, same as uh, as Harry, actually. When I saw this guy, I was like... Because I'm hoping for for some you know, some of the Bond, you know, that I, I kind of love, and, and that was heading in that direction. And I thought, oh, yeah, well, this is good. I like that bit. Yeah,
4: he's great. So we've had him and Higgs, That's not bad, is it? It's not a bad uh, end to the henchmen's for, for Daniel oh, yeah, Craig. Yeah. I mean, You're right. He was in it at the beginning, and then, I mean, there was stuff with the, the eye. I mean, goodness me. I'll just pass that for now, but... Uh, does anyone know why he sh- swaps sides? I know people say, well, Joel swaps sides, but does anyone know? Why?
6: Isn't he just like th- I mean <laughs> 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 don't, I don't know whether it is an not,
7: it's not no, a massive he, He's working working for Spectre, isn't he? When when they're breaking into his yeah, Ma- laboratory. Say him,
9: yeah, when she, when when she's she, it's she's she's sort yeah. forced to sit down and drink that tea. She says something to him about your master has changed or something. Or there the, the is she does yeah. reference the fact that she's now he is now working for Safin and yeah, not yeah. Blofeld But I, the reason behind that is never very clear. Apart from,
6: um, I like to think it's it's basically the same henchman agency that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, well, if oh, you can get him, or you can get sure. me Jaws. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you can get him. But I liked him
4: yeah. in the spy, lovely. Can you get him, please? Yeah. Yeah. I don't bother about stuff like that, to be honest, because yeah. it, it was just nice to see him again. And I, I think the end fight was a little bit rushed and a bit strangly. I
9: know it was. Uh, it was yeah. Die
4: Hard, wasn't it? It was.
9: Uh, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Andreas' yeah. death yeah. In, uh,
0: yeah.
9: <laughs> in Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, apart from he breaks his neck as, as yeah. his yeah. eyeball. Yeah. Sorry, blowfields bionic eyeball explodes well, in his yeah. head.
7: So this is my main problem with him. I, I, I quite like him. I, I like the idea of a henchman. I don't think he's better than Hinks. I think, think Hinks is probably more of a memorable mm. henchman and, you know, and has that big one-on-one fight with Bond in, in Spectre. My, my main problem with Primo is I just find it... I mean, I am someone who is willing to let loads of plot holes and ridiculous things pass, but the idea that he, <laughs> he is missing an eye as well as blow and and so they get. I don't. Do they inter? Do this you know swap? Do they share? I assume his
9: status? eye was removed for. Well, Blo- quite possibly by Hinks.
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah was, quite Possibly, yeah, but I, 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 yeah. I, couldn't. I, I, that is that is nonsense to me. People, invisible um, <laughs> you know, car was stupid. Why? Apparently. Why can't you why just have like a camera or you know? Why? Why can't he just have a camera? Not you know, one in his is eye.
8: The, there's not any suggestion that that was Blofeld's original eye before it got burnt in the helicopter crash, is it? And you still have the eye
4: in, at the end of Spectre. It was just yeah, was, you know, blind. Yeah, I was so, trying to. Yeah, was, so yeah, it must have given him that eye. At least the prison.
9: gets the scar because of the watch explodes, doesn't it? When yeah, Tempest
4: yeah. Fugit. Yeah. <laughs> Fugit.
7: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry,
4: sorry, James. I can't hear you. Yeah.
7: yeah. But, <laughs> You know, I do have I do have various problems with with this film, but he isn't one. He
4: no. Isn't, no, no, no,
7: no, no. And I like the idea of having a. Head yeah, he
4: head head gets that stu- you know it's stupid line off cue. You know, like, I'm just in, what is it? I'm just uploading Lowfell's <laughs> bionic eye. But <laughs> if that was all done intentionally, I don't mind that. If because it, it is good, it's good humor if it's meant to be funny. <laughs> There was a bit of Ben was, was like, like is, are you having a laugh? You really want me to say <laughs> this?" Like, <laughs> where Q,
8: where Q is like hacking into the eye, <laughs> yeah, that's... and like the stuff that appears on Q's computer screen yeah. is like, it's like um, the menu in a Mini Cooper, like media, radio, like you know, uh, map, nothing, like there's like a D, almost like a DVD menu as well, scene <laughs> <laughs> selection.
9: <laughs> yeah. Special features. initiate yeah. me. skip, skip scene. <laughs> yeah. If it was a Roger
4: film, they would have shown some footage of something dodgy going on, and then skip. Oh, we'll skip that or something.
9: For, for, for me, I don't think he's very memorable, and also I don't think he's particularly effective. Is he is no. there, as a Fair as no. a henchman? Because, but basically, Bond
4: for, enough at th- the start.
9: He it. just kicks him off that motorbike in the opening scene, doesn't he? Is... And then strangles him with the uh, the washing line. Yeah. Knocks the his eye out. The most iron,
8: threatening. The most he is the... is in the laboratory. Yeah, and he's leading a group of men, yeah. and
9: he like metal, metal gear orders solid.
8: them to kill lots of innocent
7: people. Metal gear <laughs> solid. Yeah. yeah, I don't think overall in the film he has enough mezzans meson, uh, physical presence <laughs> or menace. Pleasant, pleasant. total <laughs> pleasant. No, I don't think. Like I say, I probably like the idea of him more than the
9: execution. It's got a memorable <laughs> haircut, though.
7: unlike the rest yeah, of the film. Yeah.
9: Mm.
6: It's yeah. almost Nazi. Mm. or in the way he's used he almost reminds me a bit of i mean he's not as good as that so don't get angry but um, (laughs) uh a bit of dario from he has like a very specific Mm. sort of look from the way he's not he doesn't have any like he's not batista he doesn't have great strength or anything Mm. like that but he he's got a very like southern or maybe eastern european sort of look with like yeah Mm. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I feel like I could imagine him wearing like a tracksuit and yeah, walking definitely,
4: definitely Romania or whatever. Or the football,
5: definitely an ultra though, isn't he? He's an ultra, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. If this I think
8: was <laughs> in a different Bond film, in the Roger Moore era or the Diamonds Are Forever days, where you've got Blofeld being cloned and stuff like that, I think would be a little slightly more forgiving. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's what where the problem is is that there's just so many clashes of what we're supposed to yeah. what, what emotions are we supposed to feel like you want us you're trying to take us down the road of grounded emotional uh, you know this is the end of the world kind and of I story.
4: have loved you <laughs>
8: <laughs> I'm going to be doing that
4: most of my life now say it to myself <laughs> uh... I, uh...
8: I've not got a, I think I've not got a massive problem with the eye I don't think because that's you know that's in some ways harking back to some of the things that you do laugh about I don't know just something you know if we're prepared to do, I don't know. I can just kind of—it's the way it leads back to Blofeld for me—that's absolutely ridiculous as well. Like how he has sent an eye out, and even from the constraints of Belmarsh, he's watching through it. You know that I don't mind an eye being used as a camera. I don't think, but the way it—I I think it's just—it's too forced and trying yes. to make a quick link.
9: I, I think. I think tonally, the film is—is is, I think this is where the director sort of works really well it never feels even though they're discussing quite outlandish things like nanobots and bio you know eyeballs and all that kind of stuff <laughs> it never feels like we're going off the scene never feels like yeah, yeah. he's lost control of it and it's now we're mm. in realms of ridiculousness but also at the same time it feels like we're, we're being kind of told that this is still grounded and and, and emotional and gritty but then we are like you sort of have to pause and think, oh, we're talking about eyeballs and nanobots. And, you know, when you actually think about the plot points, if you were to sort of draw mm. a chart, you are all over the place. But when you actually watch it, this is where his strength as a director yeah, is. And He's able to hold the, the tone and not make it feel mm. like you are going. This is ridiculous. I think that's that's yeah. that's his real strength in this.
5: That's pa- me. I, I I think it kind of almost <laughs> it needed to go. This is ridiculous because it was so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah exactly.
9: It's like own you
5: it, lost me because you're trying to tell me that this is deadpan and serious, and and I'm like, if you want me to laugh at this, because and I will, but I need to know that that's the kind of film I'm, I'm with, and and I'd enjoy that mm. because this is absolutely insane that. I don't mind the, the I don't mind Prima having the the eye, but when they've got Blofeld's eye on a tray or whatever, it's like, well why can't they just be the a camera? <laughs> on a cushion, The monopoly guy. Yeah, I mean I get his eye in his
9: head. <laughs> so weird. why
5: can't he be watching through a camera? What what? I love that. <laughs>
4: <a bit> like
9: <laughs> yeah, good. but hey. yeah, you're right. I think okay. I think I think I understand why people love that because it is so outlandish and it is so ridiculous. Um, so I get what people are, but then yeah, I just I, I feel like the entire film's for, for me is like uh, odds with all that all the time, and it doesn't well, quite. Uh,
8: there's also a sort of a, a sense that people could, said they could kind of sense, you know, from Casino Royale that, that this is how it end with him dying. In many ways, this is a million miles away from oh, what yeah, we do with Casino yeah.
4: yeah. It's more Dying of the Day.
8: You're in an absolute the mess. They've not known. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Nikolai. It's sillier than Dying of the
6: Day.
4: sillier. Of course it is.
6: It's not Die Another Day, come on. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's I, not Die Another Day.
4: <laughs> it's no Die Another
6: Day. <laughs> Die Another Day essentially has Bond basically shave all his trauma from the torture away in one scene and then it's never talked about again. I think uh, what No Time to Die does it's my opinion is it's basically, I mean, we talked about the the tones clashing, but Don't the tones pretty much clash in like each John Glenn film? If we're really honest, like yeah, 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 they do. Yeah, Tarzan yell, and then he's got like the really serious scene with uh, confronting General (laughs) Orlov, where he where he I think he shoots a Russian soldier straight in the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. deadly, Um, deadly serious film.
6: I, I never really. I've never really had a big problem with that because it somehow just works for me yeah. If, yeah. if the scenes in and of themselves sort of have a clear direction where they go. And the scene in Santiago, the entire sequence has sort of this, like pretty much, I mean, pretty much Brosnan-esque. Yeah, the very of, Brosnan. That they go for. And I think that works. I mean, I don't need, that kind of tone in a scene where he has like his heart to heart with Madeline or anything, and I think, yeah, I, I didn't really have a problem with that. I mean, <laughs> License to Kill ends on a on a winking fish statue. Yeah, no, I I, I absolutely I that, agree so. with
9: you. I think you know what it is. Uh, maybe what my issue is 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 the marketing that it, that mm. that those films with you know like you say that those the the the, the tone does change a lot but the, the way that these films are presented is this is a very serious grown-up, grounded film about emotions and things, and when you actually watch it, it's oh, like, it oh it's got an eyeball on a cushion
3: yeah, yeah. Kids
9: I,
8: could have that's, done that's like if, if someone, you know, I can't come out of the cinema saying you know, I can't believe what I've just seen I'm, you know, I'm, I've given up on the Bond franchise because I've seen, you know a, a, an eyeball as a camera, I can't I haven't got a leg to stand on saying that, given all that's gone on in the Bond series, and the, uh, all the moments from bond films that are a little bit ridiculous. So this isn't def- this is definitely not a major grievance no. of mine I have to say. I know it's an easy thing to poke fun at and it is funny and the fact that Blofeld's having... Th- sorry they're hosting a birthday party for you know it's all it is really laughable. But what where it makes me upset and angry is that you've got this <clears throat> and you've got people saying it's a masterpiece. For me and, and and to do with marketing I think that's a part of the marketing. I think they're trying to market this as a masterpiece. And I'm sorry when that term is used about a masterpiece you're thinking about a film that is so unbelievably airtight and you know there are none of these silly bits that clash or these bits that you question a little bit at the time and then really question the next day I think that this is where things are clashed. where they, they, they think they believe they're making a masterpiece they're also trying to make a, a James Bond film like i've said i think before they're aiming to make a masterpiece they're trying to make a bond film This is one that proves to me they've, they've ended up in the middle and not made either. It's neither a masterpiece nor a Bond film for me, this. And it's it's kind of because of things like this.
4: Goodness me. Rob has joined us. Good evening, sir.
3: Good evening. Is this the Purvis, Wade, Broccoli, G. Wilson, Craig Appreciation <laughs> Society meeting? We haven't really got to any of those culprits yet, have we?
4: <laughs> <laughs> we were just then talking about the, well, the the bionic eye and all that. It's the clash of that with we're trying to present a serious film. And Nikolai is rightly saying that that is almost prevalent in a lot of the John Glenn films, isn't it? There's a bit of silliness Amidst the seriousness or the opposite way around. Personally, I think I agree. This shows that he carries a very good director, that he can manage to do or juggle all that without making you think this is an absolute joke. Because it's very difficult to do that in two and three quarter hours. Okay, it could have been shorter. But it also shows how unbelievable John Glenn is that he can do it even better, doesn't it? it <laughs> yeah. That's what I absolutely. think. But now, no, no, if, if,
7: sorry sorry Rob you know I'm jumping in and you Naya. but i I do think that's a very fair point from from Nikolai but what i would what I would probably say is that the bits you know those little things mm-hmm. in John glenn's films they don't normally last that long and I don't think any are as silly as a bionic eye being held on a cushion for Blofeld's birthday party by three weird looking bald dudes it might it might so so yeah so there's like you know there's a you know crocodile that that kind of thing. But then it's just, it's not a plot point, whereas my problem with, th- this is like quite a, it's a, sto- a bit of a story point, you know. Yeah. It's, it's quite important, this Bionic Eye. And then, you know, they, they, they down, they upload, no, they download, uh, <laughs> upload, so they upload files from the Bionic Eye. That, you I can't take SD card out. If that was in yeah. Living Daylight, she'd be like, what yeah, on? Yeah. Uh, so but mind you, I was like a bit like that for this, but I'm not meaning to to destroy your point because it is a fair one, Nikolai that there are, there are these slight clashes in tone, particularly yeah. in John Glenn's films, which I did think were, were more grounded than you know the the couple of films that have gone like before.:
6: I think I would agree with that. I mean, John, I think what John Glenn did pretty well is that he mostly used different like sort of side characters for those comedy bits. Like in uh, *License to Kill*, we got a bit of Sharky and Professor Joe Butcher, and uh, we. <laughs> I mean, we do have some, we do have some bizarre scenes though, and I, I get what you're saying about them being pretty small, and they do draw a lot of attention to the bionic eye here. I don't know. I, I, I mean, whenever it comes to Q and his like techno babble things that he spewing out i always sort of turn
9: my brain off for that part because it's yeah. like <laughs> yeah yeah you know, where q says the line about nanobots are not just for christmas there is <laughs> there is that wink to the camera I, I, that's, the yeah, most, yeah, that's, that's almost the john glenn moment isn't it of, yeah. of like i am acknowledging just how ridiculous this plot point is and i'm sure you think that as well but let's go yeah carry yeah. on for the, for yeah. the ride
6: and Absolutely. I thought so, Christmas only comes once. Comes <laughs> once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I,
5: think I, I think Ben Wishaw uh, as Q has been one of the for me the huge successes of uh, yes of the franchise, which is strange because I I couldn't stand the way he was written in Skyfall because Absolutely. yeah I was like what are you doing? But then they've completely gone against everything yeah. that he was written the way he was written <clears throat> that, and and for the good and actually. Because it's interesting if i if I was asked to cast a new cue after uh, lovely Desmond Llewellyn, I would have cast John Cleese and yeah because because he seemed obvious, but actually the obvious uh, I, I think he's great John Cleese, but he wasn't really right. he was too obvious, and then you get someone like Ben who I probably wouldn't have cast, and he's I think he's absolutely brilliant and and in this film, I really enjoyed pretty much every scene he was in I, I thought he was I thought he was very yeah. really good and yeah, getting a bit of the humor in and 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 unlike Skyfall, I felt more like he was actually tr- paying tribute to the old films and the old Q rather than walking yeah. all over it, you know. So I yeah. thought I, th- I thought he's been a big success in the Craig films
4: and, and in this one. Definitely. Absolutely. Rob, what did you think about Q, how he's gone from in Skyfall, he was quite cocky with Bond, wasn't he, even though he yeah. was younger, to now he, by the end, he was, you know, it was quite harrowing. So the, I guess I'll put you on to Madeline or whatever at the end. You know, he's just gone... Full respect and
3: yeah I'd agree with Steve here, I think that um i, I was very very dubious of q Ben Wishaw's Q in the beginning because of how much he very obviously and rather smugly when we were introduced to him throughout his respect for um well everything that had gone before <laughs> like literally everything, um, but um no, he's really in, now. he's really- re- yeah, we don't go in for that anymore I don't know.
4: I won't go there. Um,
3: yeah. So. Uh, no, So uh, no, re- yeah. Really like how he actually turned this around. And I do think that um, his sort of countercasting almost as Q really worked in, um, I think it's one of the shining lights in Craig's tenure, actually. Um, if I could just very, very briefly go back to the eyeball, just for one yes. very <laughs> quick moment. Um, my dad is usually a very good barometer for what he thinks is stupid or not. And um, he- we watched Live and Let Die and he saw, you know, obviously the crocodile bit. And he was like, oh, just so ridiculous. <laughs> and um, then he watched the eyeball bit, no comment. Presumably, that's fine. So, presumably, all right. Yeah, I was like, are you not going to say anything? You're not going to say anything. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, Wish Yours Q, uh, yeah, a definite highlight in the, in the uh, recent five movies for me, definitely.
4: I was almost relieved that we were going down this area that that sort of area where it's getting a bit silly now. It was like oh I can just relax a bit. I don't I don't have to be battered over the head telling me how emotional everybody is and I can just enjoy it for a silly
3: Brosnan era Bond film. It did feel Purpose of Wade, isn't it? It's sort of the links with them. But. <laughs> but if could you imagine <laughs> the, like how we might feel if, for example, take the way that R is handled in World Is Not Enough, and that's all fun and games because Q is there, you know, and this is the handover moment. If we were eventually, can you imagine if we didn't have that and then we were eventually handed over to, you know, in skyfall, like, oh, here is your quartermaster, R. Ah. And he was rolling around in the massive suit, like, well, yeah, no. like, We'd be absolutely appalled at the treatment <laughs> Like, no, no, what have they done to him? What have they done to him? So, you know, we, I'm going to take this as a success. I'm definitely. Oh,
4: yeah, one. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did we like, um, the, the sort of little glimpse into his, his home? And, Mother's
1: uh, crying <laughs> is it
3: isn't it the little legs out of the big old? You know the tiny light rolling
7: around, <laughs> and, and then thinking about if then we're shorts. Are you
4: thinking of him in it or? Well, yeah, if, <laughs> he,
7: if he was, yeah, in rolling around in that ball.
4: <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's sorry. The tone of no to today. Do you like just seeing a little bit of insight into his? He went to his flat with the weird music and he, he was on a date. Did you Did you appreciate that? Or,
6: yeah, it's, I, I, I guess it's nice. For have there been any gay James Bond characters other than Winton Kidd? Very good, I point. Think,
7: I can't very really good point. not very
4: ex, good point. Not not
7: explicitly, no,
6: specifically, not. Specifically, yeah. I mean, Silver's
4: like, probably just doing it, right, so. yeah, you know. Rise Out of Bond, isn't he? To, to try and, yeah,
6: yeah, I thought it was pretty nice. Um. <laughs> The music was very odd. (laughs) Whatever floats your boat. You know, some people like, uh, if you ask me to, and some people like weird operatic music.
3: I think do, think, if do some do, people meet you like
0: that? I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think the whole, the whole
3: um, aesthetic, the look, and the sound of that scene felt a bit like the uh, like a, a cut scene from the cantina in Star Wars? You're in Mos <laughs> Eisley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, The I'm uh, absolutely loving it. Like, yeah. Every, yeah I'm, every
4: I'm, people,
3: I'm, look at this. I have
8: here. to say, Tom, I'm slightly surprised that you like that. As in, given like the stuff you've said about the pub scene Inspector and all that, this is, they all gathered in Q's house yeah. in his flat.
4: I think having rewatched Spectre a couple of times, it wasn't that scene wasn't as long. It justified no, no. the plot. It's again, I don't, <laughs> I didn't like that plot point at all. The whole CCTV, it's boring. Wow. You know, it's, it's it's we don't need that as well as the Blofeld stuff going on. I know they tried to link it at the end with C or whatever he was called, but with this, it was you know they were trying to get Bond back. I, I didn't mind it. Okay, again, it's really silly. You know. I'm, Hugh's home laptop they've got all the files of every person in the world or whatever the DNA and stuff I'm not like this is we're not here to nitpick stuff like that are we it's the tone yeah. that are the more controversial yeah. things I don't mind I, I think it was funny going to his flat and he did have some of the best lines the humour in the film mm. mm-hmm. I know everyone will yeah. hopefully credit Phoebe Waller-Bridge for the humour because <laughs> you <we> don't want to <laughs> give Purvis and Wayne <laughs> <laughs> even though we give them full credit for you know the world is not enough. <laughs> And, all of the uh, yeah. yeah. Bruce Forsyth, yeah. I, th- I think I think I think I and Money Penny was in it for as much as she needed to be. I've, the problem is when you get these a- actresses and actors in, and they're quite big names. There's pressure to use them loads, and when this cast is getting bigger and bigger, and with, we'll get on to Paloma. But you know, it's oh, I just wish she could have been in more. But it's like. You can't have everyone in it the whole film. You've got to compartmentalize these Mm. characters and have them. Like Money, Penny was used. Antana, they were used in the correct way. They were using the the right amount of scenes for to service the plot. I thought I quite liked. You know, I I I did enjoy Q far more in
7: this film than than I have done before. I think he's got better since uh, since he's come in and he's become. I know there's still a bit of that tension, but there is there is warmth between him and Daniel Craig. I think it works mm. well. It's just, it's it's quite funny. And I'm not saying, I think it fits this film and the tone of these films for them to go to Q's house and everything. It'd be quite funny to have uh, gone round to Desmond Llewellyn's house and, you know, he's preparing <laughs> yeah. a for, you know, his an, a new flame or whatever, someone who was trying to impress. It's quite... <laughs> That's why I mean, that kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and, and, you know, even Inspector, the house, you know... Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was Money Penny was you know on the phone to him and oh yeah it was a guy and yeah. he was a bit annoyed and everything, but I don't know I guess that works more for today's cinema and and everything I, I can I can accept that I'm not you know I've I've no issue with that really.
4: There was a bit to be fair in uh, Money Penny. You know, I, I'm on a date, is it with a gentleman?
7: Oh yeah, yeah. And then you know, yeah, It's yeah. not
4: you, you know. It's not all about uh-huh. you. Bob, sort of yeah. Oh well, Nikolai to hates that scene. I remember his comments in the. In the cinema savvy review,
5: I I do. I watched Goldeneye last week, and um, for the eight millionth time, and I I do find that scene a bit, a little bit forced. Like they weren't quite sure what to do with Money Penny at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is funny when you think of that scene, and then think how she is in
4: Dying of the Day. (laughs) Again, the score does the heavy lifting, so I don't mind (laughs) mind. rolling around on
3: the floor.
0: Yeah. Oh,
4: God.
3: Okay. Purvis and Wade!
4: Producer's that, yeah, we'll keep that, yeah.
3: Yeah.
5: yeah. I mean, that, sorry, and I don't want to talk about Goldeneye, but th- there is the line where he says, after you, and she says, no, James, after you. And I still don't really understand what the friction is
4: there about. <laughs> is that just, I don't want to give it out to, to mention of men, you know, all men come first. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I don't know the that he would pat her on the bum, but he's no- I've never seen him do that. Oh, <laughs>
5: What? It's just like, why? why can't you just go,
6: what?
4: Like, oh, I don't... I, I'm, uh, just because I'm a woman, I don't have to... You don't have to treat me like a woman or something. Is it that? I don't, like, I don't, I don't have to really us walk with it. I don't on the other side of the road.
5: 20 years, honestly, don't you?
4: Honest, <laughs> <me. laughs> Nikolai, please, you, you hate the scene.
3: <laughs> <hate them. laughs> <laughs> goading, goading, yeah.
6: The yeah. 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 Bond is, is fine in it, but I don't know what Brosnan is... is doing in that scene. He's, he's just a bit <laughs> he's sort of stressed. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Is he seen the script? <laughs> I need to watch this again. Maybe, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. but we sort of got this like whispery delivery and it kind of like came off to me as borderline creepy. Not really. <laughs> it's a bit I don't know. It it just didn't come it didn't come off as the you know the flirty energy that like Connery and and um, and Maxwell had, or even uh, I mean Dalton and yeah. Caroline Bliss. Absolutely, I, mean, I still love Caroline Bliss. Yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh yeah. I would mm-hmm. I would listen to her Benny Barry Menlo collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> I think they got Samantha Bond and Brosnan better in in the middle too. Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I
6: agree. Uh, yeah,
5: but the, the bookends. Yeah, yeah. It's, one's too awkward and then the, the one at the end I just can't even watch. I put my hand yeah. over my eyes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I, but I really don't like that line uh, you always were a cunning linguist. I, I, I
5: can't. Oh, oh no, I hated that, that at the cinema. I thought they'd yeah. gone too far. Yeah. I'm getting old and I don't know what's going on. I quite like that now but I did hate that. And yet, <laughs> I should have liked it then because I was obviously like 20 and I should have been like, hey! <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> and now I'm like oh, I think I'll give anything for a a joke now in a Bond film to be
4: honest <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why I didn't mind the Bionic Eye and the sort of little jokes I, mm. yeah, I didn't man. know I liked the jokes I didn't have any problem with any of the jokes No, really. no I didn't no. like I didn't really like the lines about the ch- the size of his desk I just, uh, I
5: just
3: oh no oh, well, well, look, that, that was just the film, insubordination it's, not, it's horrible yeah, it, it, is, it wouldn't it happen in wrong, real life
4: either I just no. don't, no. don't like yeah. that the ego it oh yeah 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 I didn't I mind was, the scene. I like the rest of the scene, to be fair, but... I didn't yeah, even get,
5: get what, be, what no. the gag was. It wasn't until... I wasn't quite sure what he meant by the gag until it was only when he until stood the up final and then stood up that I realised, oh, he's put weight on. But for me, that oh, hadn't that really it. I didn't been get made it. clear. Oh, enough. No, what it was?
8: No, I thought he's, to do with him. He's, he's becoming less and less powerful. and Yeah, yeah that's, that's why. It. I thought
0: yeah. it's because
5: they've clearly made him up to be fatter, haven't they? So I
4: thought... Have <laughs> they? He's looking quality. I thought he looked better than ever, I thought. This is, bombing. you know,
8: it's 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 snappy and it's a, you know a nice snide remark, but it doesn't it's a paint a very good picture of yeah, and it doesn't paint a very good picture of Bond and his relationship yeah. with M. Yeah, I know.
7: M was no, really no, active.
4: Like
7: I really, if we're coming on to talk about M, like I, yeah, I struggle with um, <laughs> I Daniel struggle with Daniel not, Craig's Bond's relationship with Ray Fines in Inspector. He's you know he's so disrespectful to him, and then. In this he's he's pretty horrible Seriously. to him. but then you know in inspector almost M is 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 possibly more heroic than bond you know in some of the ways that he you know and he's he's one who ends up having a, an end fight with a villain C yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah in this and, and you know he's so he stands on his principles and you know he's it's you know I know what I know what's needed and what's not and then in this one. He's created a bionic weapon. <laughs> to wipe out humanity. This is this is sin. I'm I'm really sorry, but Nick, Nikolai, <laughs> if 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 you know if you can fight the case for the other side, because I know I'm I'm rambling, you know,
0: and <laughs> okay. ranting
7: and raving.
6: Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I have a case on that one. <laughs> uh, I I do think Ray Fine gives gives a very good performance in this one. And um, it's not like, I mean, there's always been sort of, I think, bond directors that took the M007 relationship as more adversarial. And then there were those that took it more as like a father-son relationship almost. The the thing with the virus, I'm not sure if I've got a super good um, explanation for that one. But the thing with the, um, what, what was the project again, Inspector? The one that they... Nine know. eyes? Nine, oh my God, yeah, that's a stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: uh,
6: that one. Cats have nine
4: eyes, nine lives? Octopuses yeah. have eight legs. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. nine eyes. Five yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> think, I think, guys um, I
6: think it makes some sense in that the virus is basically something that they try to do as a sort of weapon for the... Essentially for the UK just get their to basically have less um casualties on missions. It's it's not like this international surveillance thing that they did with the nine eyes. So I kind of get it because he genuinely thought it was in their control. It is obviously very it does feel a bit out of character to sort of create this virus when he knows that it could be Extremely dangerous to anyone. So yeah, I don't have a super good defense for that. Um,
7: it's a masterpiece. It- no, yeah,
6: <laughs> I think I think no, I think that's fair enough.
7: And I think I think you know, yeah, the idea that yeah, it, it was supposed to be this thing where you could you know properly target, but and minimize, minimize. But yeah, but Spider-Man. I don't know. I just feel I just feel with this film, there's more and more stuff that that feels like pretty ridiculous and taking the mick a little bit, and and it's like. I thought this is supposed to be, you know, I'm being told that I have to watch it over, a, you know, multiple times in order to get it. But I don't know what, none of these things can be covered off by that. I don't think.
4: I will get it. It, it feels this... like to,
5: to me, there's so many things in this film, which oh, sorry, actually, God, if they'd just been written with a bit more thought, you could have done almost all these things. I don't think hmm. M should have been the create, you know, the one who created yes. the super weapon, but he could have been the one who kind of allowed politicians to get on with, yeah, doing what yeah. they say yeah. they have to do, yeah. and then so he feels guilty because he didn't try and stop it, you know. But for him to go out there and try and create a chemical weapon, I don't think the head of MI6 is like doing that kind of thing. That's that's yeah. And there's all sorts of examples yeah, of that in the film I where I feel you. like you just needed to think about how you're writing this just a little bit more, and then those scenes could have worked. Even even the the end scene, which we'll come to. I think was oh. written just a little bit differently. I couldn't, I wouldn't have had such a painful problem with it.
8: I totally agree, Steve. It's like a little bit like the bionic eye, you know. <clears throat> I, c- I can probably go along with it, uh, you know, a bit more than others. And even this nanobot thing, you know, virus, I can probably go along with it, you know, a little bit. You know, the ridiculous things that happen in Bond, global things, global schemes. But again, And this is what the Craig films. It's so such a small community of people. M has created it. (laughs) Like, you know, branch out a little bit. But, sorry to say, one positive thing. That's where it was. uh, I've not heard many people talk at all about the professor guy. For me, he was a bit of relief. It's the first time in the Craig films where they've had an extra character and a little bit of an outlet into a different. And unfortunately, as the film proceeded, he was probably in it a bit too much and became a little bit Jar Jar Binks-esque. But like, to, to start with, I was like, <laughs> the, Craig films have never, the Craig films have never had a character like this before. I was really yeah. pleased with his inclusion and sort of capturing him and him being emboldened. Uh, slight rings of Dark Knight Rises, you know, capturing the scientists and stuff like that. But he was a comic character and a bit of relief for me, um, that professor. And, and that helped me when everything else was closing in I'm bonding with this um, you know, is his is fam- not his real blood family, as in, you know, MQ Money Penny. It was nice to have an extra character in this professor. Yeah,
9: I think I think the whole M being involved in some sort of plot is a hangover from previous drafts of Spectre were um, Mallory was supposed to be the villain. Knowing Purvis and Wade, do not waste anything. Every every single idea will be regurgitated. As we've seen with World Is Not Enough and Skyfall. Yeah. But you know, so I think that that's where that comes from. Is that it's like, how can we, how can we mm-hmm. get Ray Fiennes involved in this in some way? And like say like Steve said, if it was just written just a little bit better and wasn't just so sort of just Cack handed. We would have just been a bit more <laughs> interested, you know. It's just it's, it's a shame because you know these these are really he's such a great. You know, when he came on board, I was like, I was really excited because he's like, this is like a brilliant person to, to to for for obviously to be you know being M. But they never really did anything with him apart from kind of like trying to shoehorn him into sort of we'll, we'll try and make him almost a bit like Bond, but like a bit old and a bit. But I do think that that whole kind of uh, the whole he created something and he's actually really the baddie, but he's not the baddie is is a is a is from Spectre, the one of the drafts of Spectre.
6: I do I mean, I agree that it could have been written better. I do like the concept of M um, sort of fucking up, basically creating something that's out of his control. Because if we really think about, you know, intelligence services not exactly the nicest guys a lot of the time and i also like the the entire idea of the virus i mean it's a very topical obviously but it also harkens back to um on majesties yeah and <laughs> uh, yeah another connection <laughs> and uh, like i felt like that seemed like a very i don't know a, a very sort of tangible world threatening plot to me like i could feel the sort of gravity like even uh, even though it was obviously a little ridiculous uh q going through the profiles and being like oh my god there's like thousands of these it's not just spectrum members it's like members of all different races you could basically mm-hmm. uh, est- extinguish uh, an entire ethnicity and stuff like that like that all really worked for me
4: did you think that was a bit shoehorned on at the end? It was like the the mad scientist guy, you know, he, he's been a victim in the scheme. You know, they've used his talents. Actually, we, but it can't. He's not really done anything dreadful. If you think that he's been,
6: you know, as in
4: people have been controlling him, they might have threatened to kill him. So, oh, we'll just give him something racist to say at the end, I mean, we just justify having to kill him, really.
6: But he seemed like he was working with Stefan pretty like he was playing along pretty nicely i mean he just accepted all of his colleagues getting shot like that and didn't really bat an eye at it and he obviously had been working with seven for some time because when seven called he was like oh okay i'm i'm ready you know so I don't, yeah i don't think but he was a
4: funny. comedy character that wasn't he? until the very end until that yes
6: but, I thought she- but his death then was also sort of comedic and satisfying you know so can i just uh, make a point
5: <laughs> now had the f-bomb as many times as was in no time to die uh so what yeah. what did we think of, i thought Nikolai delivered it very well what did he we did, think yeah. about about uh, uh, mallory delivering it in the film
4: we've done that We've done that um, d- i fucked it up didn't i bomb skyfall
5: oh it's true it's back again yeah totally offensive. I've tried to block Skyfall out of my mind I haven't seen that for
3: like since I saw it at the cinema Mm. Rob loves Skyfall, sorry no go on no it's totally offensive (laughs) totally against everything that I feel that oh right we could open up a massive can of words can of worms just with this one moment, it's everything I cannot stand with the direction that this series has taken, is this it could be distilled to this one thing this used to be something for everybody or well, most people, you know, my kids, you know, for everyone saying, oh, Daniel Craig's their best Bond. I can't show them a Daniel Craig Bond film until they're at least late teens. So, you know, this isn't for everybody. This is for a select group of people that Barbs and Michael and Daniel <laughs> have decided is applicable. Um, I, I was absolutely appalled. And, and it's worse than that. It wasn't even well written. It was a cheap gag, a cheap moment, a cheap line <laughs> in a moment in the movie that had nothing going for it, apart from the uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service score. So, yeah, awful. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's, that's kind of how I, I felt. So. I'm, yeah. not gonna, I'm not going to dole that up. That is a disgrace. Yeah. It's, it's a cheap trick and, and just to make audiences so could...
8: think it's serious.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, all I felt when I, when I read that was, you know, like Brent, like, oh, you're hard. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pathetic
4: well it made it made the Judy Dench one seem
3: Shakespearean didn't it you know? but, but that was also Go. pathetic right. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, yeah. You know, throwing it in like you know, what is wrong with you people just because you're allowed a, a F word in A12 yeah. a 12 yeah. or whatever yeah. doesn't it's... mean you have to take it like Jurassic Park you know don't mind about thinking about whether or not you could you know think about whether you should yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say yeah. of course in real life yeah. you know Nedry and everyone will be swearing the mouths off, but <laughs>
3: yeah, it's, it's a film. So
4: we like, don't there's have. Dinosaurs. It.
3: Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> they would be.
4: They would be. <laughs> well, there is a. Um, damn! You know,
3: damn,
1: damn,
4: Yeah. Dumb. You know, children, you know, the parents are like, oh, that's too this much.
3: No, no, no. But if you want, if you want, because I, I thought tonally the first hour of this Bond film. Could have fit alongside all sorts of different points in the franchise. I really did. I love that first hour. And then, oh, here we go. The F balloon. What, why? <laughs> what for? What what for, what are you achieving apart from going on oh, we're hard? It's I not that you are actually. No, There's but so it's the pointless. It's pointless. Well. well, there goes your, you know, there goes your pre-7 o'clock watershed. There goes pre your pre-nine o'clock watershed. So that's cutting down your audience again. Kids aren't going to enjoy... Why would kids like this, honestly? <laughs> what is to Not enjoy for them, here? Not
8: for well, Steve, in. you said you're... It's Fleming. So your 12, 12 year old did like it. Yeah
5: Four, 14 year old and 16 year old. Yeah, yeah. 14 year old he he, he liked it. It's first bomb film that uh, he's seen at the pictures. And uh yeah, he he enjoyed it. But he probably liked it at it the F-word in it. It's like, oh did you hear that? An F word. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this
0: is
5: and Wade being
3: 14 year olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly.
5: <laughs> I mean, as you make Eight the point, points. like if if you in reality, the F word would be used all the time. Exactly, of course. in, in yeah, that course. lifestyle, yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. being blown up and stuff. So to just have yeah. Mallory say it once in that—it's just don't use it because
3: you've not written Everything it in all on the, the scenes. Yeah. Don't need happen. to. Again, you're, right. you're so right, Steve. At the end, you know, the bomb saying "fuck," you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, like no, Mallory, like, did you? Did like, you was, yeah, yeah it's right? just yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. We always say that,
4: don't we? Like in EastEnders. Sorry for non-English. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You no, know, the soap has become... I mean, I don't know what it gave up, but it, it's just... It's like, like gang... Gangsters, yeah. Gang
7: warfare, but none of them swear or... None-
4: <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to suspect disbelief to an extent, haven't you, in these things? Like, there's very little swearing on the US TV. They, they very rarely swear, do they? Um, but Ni- there'll be lots of violence. Nikolai,
7: you know, yeah. I feel harsh to keep saying this. Um What did you think of the, the F-bomb?
6: <laughs> I, I didn't... I didn't even... I mean, I love how passionate you can... be.
3: <laughs> I love this, Nikolai, because yeah. you are right. You are also right that me being so upset about... You know, can you imagine me like saying anything else in life, walking anywhere, going like, this is a disgrace. Like, I don't have <laughs> ever said that about anything. Can you imagine me being that passionate about anything? Yeah. Well, you are when so right you said, to call that off, out and make that point. Out, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
6: I mean, I'm, I'm probably as... Passionate about other stupid stuff, but um, yeah, uh, no, I, di- I didn't mind it. Um, I, obviously, it's unnecessary, um, but it's just, I yeah, it's it's not something I get upset about or anything. <laughs>
3: Quite right also. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A lot Quite of things right. you're gonna get upset about. If, yeah. if
6: we're talking about Bond films not being like good for children to watch, I'm like Live and Let Die gave me nightmares as a kid oh yeah yeah <laughs> how many like 11 or 12 year olds already say that word like
3: on a daily basis don't I mean, i've got an 11 year old i don't want to hear that
5: i always say to my children you can say what you like when you're at school or in the playground yeah. but you don't you don't say it in the house <laughs> and i don't cool. say it in the house so why should they well i did that, i even I, I didn't even say it on the podcast i i yeah. i
4: uh yeah, it's all me. myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm Nikolai.
3: You know, the, the
6: nicest of all of us. I know, yeah, yeah. What do you want from me? <laughs>
3: See, I, I know I'm, ge- I'm getting like like life and parenting advice here tonight. So this is all worth <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Nikolai and Steve, you guys are helping me out big time here. Thank you.
4: Really oh, <laughs> That's all for part one of this debate on No Time to Die. But rest assured. The chaps will be discussing more in part two.